Welcome back to the Worldview Minute. I'm Pastor Levi Secord here. And we're going to begin here. We've, we've laid the foundation in creation uh, that God created everything. He is over everything. That God is above the state. We have to ask ourselves the question, what are God-given rights? What are rights in general? What are human rights? Where do they come from? And why is that important? Right? Every governing system has to ask itself and answer this question. Why do we have to listen to you? Right? What gives you the right? Like God didn't give dominion of man over man. He did give Adam authority over his wife, like we have that, but God did not give dominion of man over man in the political sense at creation. So what gives someone the right to demand obedience? Is it only power? Those who have the power rule? Does might make right? If I have all the power, do I get to determine what is right? If our rights come from the state, are they really rights then? Can they just be taken from us if the state changes its mind? The answer, of course, is yes. If your rights are dependent upon the state, then you don't have rights, you have privileges that can be revoked at any time for any reason. And we saw that in 2020 across the Western world and everywhere else. If there is no such thing as a God above the state, there is no such thing as rights. And so a unique contribution of Christianity to the West and to political philosophy and governing is the idea of God-given rights, universal human rights. Other people have tried to claim credit for that, but this is a uniquely Christian idea. So if you look at something like our own Declaration of Independence— what you have in there is some of the most earth-shattering, wonderful things that are really an application and even almost a pinnacle of the Protestant view of the state coming to a fruition in the forming of our nation. Now, did our nation live it out perfectly? No, they didn't. Uh, but the ideals themselves were correct. They were biblical. I'm going to make that case to you today because often when we talk about this, and what I'm trying to do here is to show you the Bible addresses these things from Genesis all the way through Revelation, and we're going to touch on Genesis and Revelation in this series, that the Bible has a lot to say about this. We just have to open it and not be afraid of being accused of things like Christian nationalism or being a Christo-fascist or, or whatever people are saying. No, Christian's view of the state is that of a limited state. Why do we believe in a limited state? Because there is a God above the state and the state is not God. Right? When you look at atheistic states like Communist China, the USSR, they become this totalitarian tyranny because the state makes a terrible and vicious God. But where Protestantism has thrived, the state shrunk. As secularism has booted Protestantism out, the state is growing again. It's becoming a functional God for a lot of people. And when you ask and answer the question, why do we have to obey you? All throughout world history, individuals are a different Major empires and governing systems have always tried to connect the divine to the state. Pharaoh claimed to be connected to the sun god Ra. Uh, Caesar claimed to be the son of God. Uh, you can think about Nebuchadnezzar and demanding worship. You can think about um, um, you can think about even recently with like the emperor of Japan during World War II. Like we think this is all ancient history. No. The emperor of Japan in World War II, one of the conditions of his surrender was that he could no longer be treated as if he were divine. This is a reoccurring problem uh, throughout world history. But the Christian philosophy of government came to separate that. The, the divine is not one with the state. The divine is over the state. There's an authority over it, and this necessitates a limited view of the state because it is not God. And that provides us the foundation for human rights. So our founding fathers write, that we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created and equal, endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. That among, among these, not all of them, not an exhaustive list, among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit 
of happiness. And that came from a uniquely Protestant and Christian understanding of political of philosophy and theology. And they are largely right. They are right that God endows or gives rights to individuals. Right? And that the purpose of the government is that um, is to secure these rights, governments among men are formed. The point of the government is to protect the rights of the individuals. Not to give them rights, but to protect their God-given rights. And so when we talk about rights, it begins in this Genesis 1 mentality. That contrary to what our founding fathers say, that this is not a self-evident truth. Right? All throughout world history, there was not an idea of God-given rights. There was not an idea of an inherent equality between man. I'm going to give you a quote here from Tom Holland's book, Dominion. Tom Holland is an atheist historian who wrote the book Dominion about how Christianity was a positive influence on the world. And whether we want to admit it or not, the West has been Christianized and even the world has been Christianized by thinking about things like human rights and human equality. This is what he writes about uh, the idea of human rights. That every human being possessed or that every human being possessed an equal dignity was not remotely self-evident a truth. A Roman would have laughed at it. The origins of this principle, universal dignity, equality, uh, rights, as Nietzsche had so contemptuously pointed out, lay not in the French Revolution, nor the Declaration of Independence, nor in the Enlightenment, but in the Bible. We have had a hard time recently because there's been a concerted attempt to rewrite history to tell you that things that Christianity limits freedom, that Christianity is oppressive, then that Christianity had nothing to do with the idea of rights. Historians are, are looking at this now and they're saying, that's absolutely not true. Right? Jefferson cannot write that these truths are self-evident, that you are created equal with everyone else, except for that he is assuming Christianity. The Enlightenment thinkers who talked about universal human rights were borrowing from Christianity. These things are not self-evident. Romans would have laughed at it. Communists laugh at it. Nietzsche laughed at it. He said, no, 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 that's a Christian idea. And Nietzsche, even in his rejection of Christianity, was right. It was Christianity alone that established this foundation for human equality and human rights. It's not the Enlightenment. It's not the Declaration of Independence. It is in the Bible. And in fact, the report goes that originally an earlier draft of the Declaration of Independence set said that these things are sacred truths, not self-evident truths. But Benjamin Franklin, for whatever reason, crossed it out and said instead we should say self-evident. So when we talk about rights, God-given rights, they're given to us by God, therefore no one is to violate them. And if they do, the state is then put in place to punish those individuals for violating God-given rights. These are horizontal rights. God owns everything. God has the right to do what he wants with what he owns and what he has created. You and I, I don't have the right to my neighbor's property. I don't have a right to my, take my neighbor's life. Right? These things are, are basic things. So we have the big three, big three rights. And this is uh, where our Declaration of Independence is a little weaker than it, it should be. Those big three rights, God-given rights, are life, liberty, and property. So I want to walk quickly through these, the biblical foundations for this. Life, God created life. Every human life bears God's image. So I'm talking about life here, I'm talking about human life, not plant life, not animal life. Human life is distinct because it bears the image of God, and because it bears the image of God, if you attack it at any stage, any demographic, you have attacked the very image of God. God makes this point in Genesis 9, 6. Anybody who sheds blood shall by his own hand, or shall have his own blood taken. Why? Because man is made in the image of God. God is the giver of life. Only he 
has the power over life. You are not to take life unless there is just cause. The state can wield the sword to punish a murderer because they are protecting that right of others and punishing. A second, the right to liberty. We talk about liberty. Man is born in a state of political liberty. There is no government over him. God and man communed with one another. Right, this changes after the fall. God institutes the state to punish evildoers. But political liberty is that as long as I am not violating those God-given rights of someone else, I am free to do as I please, pursue my own happiness, as it were. That doesn't make everything morally right, but, that, but rather other people don't have the authority to prevent me from doing it. And then third, property. Where do we get the idea of property? When we see property is not that I have the right to own anything I want, not that I have the right to demand property from someone else, but rather that I have the right to the fruit of my own labor. I have the right to what I produce. So God places Adam in the garden. He tells him to work uh, the soil, and then he gets the produce from the soil. He gets the fruit of his own labors. And we see these protected in the Ten Commandments. Yes, the Ten Commandments are a covenantal document given to the people of Israel, but they contain in them universal moral principles that reflect God's character. You shall not kill. No human has the right to take unjustly take the right of someone else. This is a human right. Why? Because God's moral standard says, don't do that. Um, you shall not steal. You do not have the right to your neighbor's property. And on that, you should not covet, even want to steal from your neighbor. So the Ten Commandments, many a commentator has pointed out, could really be read as a list of rights. God's rights in the first table of the law and the second table of the law, the rights of other human beings. And so we have, these are the big three. We could talk about more of them. Um, but so we have here, liberty are the laws of, um, are the rights of liberty and property and life. So things like theft, fraud, defamation of character, those things are all illegal and should be illegal and punishable because they violate the just rights of individuals. And so this is this is the this is the Christian contribution to the world. We should all be really slow to think that the state gives us rights. If they come from the state, then the state can take them whenever they want. This is a very dangerous philosophy. Whether you're a Democrat, um, Christian, or, or conservative, Republican, whatever you find yourself in the thing, the idea that an elected official or a tyrant has the right to change your rights whatsoever, that is the natural and inescapable conclusion if there is no God above. God-given rights, let me rephrase that, rights only exist because God gives them. If there is no God to give you rights, then there is no such thing as rights. And I want to end with one final application here. There are a lot of people on the political right today who, who recognize the need for God for there to be human rights, and that necessitates smaller government. And they want the government to live as if there is a God, that there is a standard for how the government should act, but they don't want to live that way themselves. Let me put this very clearly. Many of you see society collapsing. Many of you see this and you're like, this is wrong. They need to live, the, the government needs to live righteously. It needs to obey these things and, and recognize its limited things and the, that there's authority above it. You need to live that way too. Stop your sexual sin. Stop your gluttony. Stop your, your lust. Stop your covetousness. Stop living for yourself. You want the state to be limited and live as if there is a God above. You need to do it first. You need to do it first. You want political liberty? It is a good thing. It is a gift from God. But it can't come unless we bend the knee to God through Christ. This is a total package. This happened in world history because Christianity was the primary um, 
world-shaping force at that point. It is no longer that, at least not in, in our society. And that only happens, we only return to that when individuals repent and believe in Jesus Christ. And so this is what we're trying to do here, showing how Christianity informs our view of the state and the government. I encourage you to like, comment, and share as we continue to unpack the Christian worldview in this all-important or important realm of life.